Hey everyone, welcome back. Another episode of Game Talk Radio, I'm Greg. And uh, today, I'm sorry to say, it's going to be another shorter uh, podcast because as if you're a first-time listener, you won't know, but if you've been listening for a while, you do know. Um, just, uh, well, now it's three short days ago, I got married to the love of my life, Jen, and we had just an awesome wedding. Um, it was perfect, you know, and, and when you plan something like that, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I just don't feel like anything did. And, you know, I might be jinxing something, but overall I just thought it was incredible. We had an awesome wedding party that uh, that took care of everything that we needed. They helped us set up, take down. It was awesome. And uh, it, it was just the whole night was great. We did a uh, – we started the – um, drink hour at five o'clock. We didn't do an early day ceremony and we had dinner at six, but what we didn't set a dinner right at six was we had a short 15 or 20 minute ceremony for everybody to watch. And, you know, we just felt like we wanted everyone who was able to come to the wedding to be able to see the wedding part of it too, not just the reception. Uh, but we also knew that if we said the reception, <laughs> we also knew if we said the ceremony was at six and dinner was at six thirty that people would show up halfway in between and, and people would skip the ceremony. So we made people watch it. And um, it was really great, and everything was awesome. After that, uh, we went into the reception that you know we or we followed dinner, uh, you know, did all the speeches, all that sort of thing. We uh, Jen made a huge twenty-sided die that we rolled instead of doing like the tinging glasses to get us to kiss. Uh, we you had to pay a dollar to roll, and we're donating all that money towards my charity stream this weekend. So we raised almost uh, almost a hundred bucks just off the smooches at the wedding uh, for the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. So that made me feel really good. Everyone was really generous, um, and uh, we had it where if you got a twenty, uh, a few of my friends threw in some stipulations that I had to kiss them if they rolled a twenty. And by God, two people rolled twenties. It was uh, it was something. <laughs> got a little familiar with a few friends, um, but it was excellent. And then we we. Uh, we had a dance uh, where, where we really, we just, um, Jen and I danced a few slow songs together. I danced one with my mom and my sister. And then we pretty much just opened up the reception, which was we had a big screen playing WWF No Mercy, which is like my favorite N64 game, like my favorite fighting game of all time. On the other end of the hall, we had a Switch hooked up playing Mario Kart 8, four-player. So that was awesome. And then we just had a ton of board games. So we had like classics of like Monopoly, Checkers, Chinese Checkers. And then we had... Um, we had like a D and D I bought a preset, uh, pre, um, pre-made setup so that like people could just pick it up and go. And then we just had a, a few decks of cards and a whole bunch of games. It was awesome. Boss monster, stuff like that. And so it was a great night. Um, like everyone says it was over in a flash. Uh, you're walking around talking to people and it's so quick and everyone wants to talk to you. Obviously it's, it's, it's weird because like I've gone to a lot of weddings and I've always been there for other people. And so it's weird when you're the one that everyone's there for. And I think the neatest thing is that you see people from all times of your life. So like I had a table of my old friends from elementary school and uh, saw some, some old people, um, some older friends that I hadn't seen in a long time, like really good friends, like my friend Aaron and Jolynn. And then I hadn't seen them in, in ages and, uh, and dusty and those guys were, were awesome. And then you go up to like your next generation of friends, which was like just out of high school friends and college friends. And then you go up to the next level of like work friends over the years. And then you go to this final level of like your current inner circle and everything like that. Um, we recreated this awesome picture, uh, that we had taken 18 years ago at my sister's wedding <laughs> with all the cousins. So there's like 10 of us in this picture 
and we recreated it. It was pretty awesome. I screwed up my pose. I was the wrong way and no one told me I was the wrong way, but it, uh, it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, it's going to be one of the good ones, uh, to go down in history, but all in all, it was a great wedding. It, It was about as perfect as it could be. And, and I'm off, uh, until tomorrow I go back to work. So I've been off almost a full week. So that'll be tough to go back tomorrow. <laughs> just stay home for the rest of the week. I should have done that. But as uh, as I said earlier, I am doing on Saturday, I'm attempting, my first time ever, I'm attempting a 24-hour live stream for uh, the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. So I'm hoping I can get some people to kick in and donate and and um, everything like that. But uh, even, even just sharing the event, if you don't have money, you know, just sharing people, letting people know, maybe somebody, you know, uh, is affected by, uh, their kids are affected by something. And that I know at my wedding, two of our friends have a little one that's in the hospital and she hugged me and she was like, thank you so much. Because when people raise money for the children's hospital, of Wisconsin, it directly helps them like directly. And so that was nice. And, and it's, it's for the kids, you know, I, I think, I don't know, not that anyone who's, sick deserves help more than anyone else but when it's the kids you know you just younger kids you just you they got to get a start you know we've all had some time on this earth and and uh, we want them to at least get as much time on earth as we've had you know i don't know that's how i always thought anyway so uh there's not a whole lot else to say um about that except that i'm just going to be pushing it real hard on facebook this week and through the store we are doing a store at game trade this weekend which is uh we're we're doing a 10% off used game sale. So any games you buy are just 10% off the top. And then what we're doing is we're taking 10% of our total sales that day. And then we're just donating that right to the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. So game trades kicking in some. Uh, I started off with the first 100 personally for it. Um, our goal is lofty. It's $2,000. Um, last year, I raised about 900. So to, to more than double that is going to be really difficult. But even if someone can chip in five bucks here and there, I mean, that makes all the difference. And um, you know, if I get 50 people to donate 10 bucks, I mean, that's, that's a quarter of the way there already. So, um, if anybody listening to this could donate, I'd really appreciate it. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put all the links in the, uh, in the description for the video here. Um, but anyway, I don't, I don't want to hang up too much on that stuff because I know you guys don't come here just to listen to me gab on about nothing. So, uh, really there's just one main story I want to talk about, which is kind of a bunch of little things contained in it. Uh, well, there's two things. Um, one I technically recorded yesterday, which was, um, GameStop's new power pass, which is a game rental program. So I'm going to put that in after I'm done with my live part here, uh, in case you didn't hear that or excuse me, see the video yesterday. But there was a really big event going on, uh, which was um, it's uh, PlayStation's Paris Games Week. So apparently, like, every year Sony does a big thing in Paris where they talk about games. I, I didn't even know this until this year. And so there were a bunch of games announced that we hadn't heard of before. Um, so I want to kind of go over them. I've watched all the trailers and I want to kind of give a rundown of some of the other news and, and the biggest things that came out of it. It's, you know, it's kind of like a mini E3 or Tokyo game show, but it's just for, uh, Sony. So the first and probably the biggest one they announced was actually an all new IP. It's a triple a game and it's called ghost of Tsushima. And you it's from what I can tell it's well it's made by Sucker Punch which are the guys that made Infamous so if you've been wondering what they've been doing which we've all been wondering what the hell uh, Sucker Punch has been up to ever since uh, Second Son came out uh, they've been working on this game and it looks incredible it looks like a a timepiece so it's um, 
oh god when was like was it 1200 let me just make sure i don't uh, get that wrong but yeah so it's like it's like um ancient japan and it's this awesome cinematic where it talks a little bit about you know um let's see here's the year 1274 so it's the 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 late 1200s you're you're a samurai in japan and my understanding is it's going to be an open world japanese samurai game which looks just incredible uh graphically it looks awesome the set pieces look right the story looks really really cool uh there's not a whole lot of details on it yet but it 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 was definitely what stole the show there and i'm surprised they didn't show it at either tokyo game show or e3 um and that you know this is kind of a lesser event for them but i'm glad they did and obviously it's cool if we're lucky it'll probably be coming out late next year but i highly even doubt that it's probably 2019 if i had to guess uh but it just looks awesome and and they showed a little bit of it i think this is going to be kind of the resurgence of like like this is almost like a new age tenchu it's going to remind me that like a lot of stealth a lot of action free roam almost it'll it'll have an it'll be an open world game so it'll probably be territories you take back or take over you know like a far cry or like an assassin's creed sort of thing it looks very much like that and since assassin's creed refused to give us our japanese <laughs> assassin's creed that we've been clamoring for for years it looks like sucker punch is stepping up to the plate for that but it looks just excellent so ghosts of tsushima and it just looks awesome check that out uh then they announced spelunky 2 which is a pretty big deal i guess spelunky was was kind of when when the indie wave was just starting and the indie revolution was just coming up spelunky was one of the big games that helped carry up there i actually never played it uh this second one the trailer it doesn't really show any gameplay but it has kind of a touching story of almost uh the main character from the first one passing the torch to what appears to be his daughter um so that's kind of neat you know it was it was a neat little trailer but it's you know it's a cutesy little platformer uh definitely be worth the money though uh then they announced guacamelee 2 which, if you haven't played the first one, it's uh, it's similar to like Super Metroid or Castlevania Symphony of the Night, where it's like a side-scrolling, like open open-world action RPG. But it had this really interesting. Um, it's got like a Spanish heritage to it, and it uh, it's it's luchador inspired, people would say. And so it's got this really interesting, like art aesthetic to it. It's very simple, but it, it works. You know, it was it was it was it was a fun game. I never actually finished the first one, but it was fine enough. And so they finally are working on a second one, and they they announced it will release soonish. Um, which, you know, uh, soonish. Uh, then they announced a game called The Gardens Between. And I'm not, I can't tell if this game's going to be good or not, but it's described as a surreal story of friendship. And you have two characters that make their way through a strange world filled with these really strange large objects and, like, huge game consoles. It almost looks like it's out of their imagination. Now, I don't know if it's a two-player game or if it's a game like Brothers where it's just one player, but it just looked kind of artsy fartsy to me and not that there's anything wrong with that it's just it just you know the trailer was all whimsical and and then you're like okay um okay (laughs) you know what i mean it just it just was kind of like i don't know think it was my style of game even though i like games like that sometimes it just didn't do anything for me but check it out it looks like i said kind of artsy fartsy um they talked about the final fantasy 15 episode ignis which is the final major single player add-on for final fantasy 15 uh where you play as ignis or you learn a whole bunch of story stuff this kind of irritates me a little bit because i've been i liked 15 but there were definitely story plot holes and i don't like that they're filling them in with dlc later i just wish that we could have just had and maybe that's what you have to wait for for this game is wait for the complete edition uh for everything makes sense i also didn't like how you had to watch like an anime to understand the relationship earlier and then i don't just a lot of stuff like that i don't like i like when a game comes out and has a full story and then they have they offer extra stuff outside of that 
Um, this one, though, the next game called Hong Kong Massacre. Now, this this is up my alley. So this looks very similar to games like Ruiner or Hotline Miami or I guess Serial Cleaner, even though you're not really killing people in Serial uh, Cleaner, you're cleaning. But it looks like a top-down, almost you'd almost call it a twin-stick shooter on a console or, or a, like on PC it would be just, you know, like a top-down shooter. But it looked more realistic, so it didn't have this kind of weird aesthetic to it where it's cartoony or, or like like Hotline Miami was very distinctly like 80s and Serial Killer is very distinctly 70s. Ruiner is very distinctly like Blade Runner futuristic. This almost looked like Max Payne to me and it looked very dark but very realistic. And I thought I saw a few times on the top down where he was like sliding or he was like diving. So this kind of looks like a John Woo action top-down shooter and looks really really good so uh, that looks really fun some coming sometime next year uh they announced another game called concrete genie which i'm just gonna be honest this looks like another artsy fartsy game it's about like a kid it had it looks almost like it was inspired by okami a little bit because you have this kid who's got tools to paint on the walls and so you paint around and he makes all these creatures and you can customize like what you do to an extent so like you can draw horns and then you'll just pick where you want to put the horn you kind of draw drag the thing and it draws the horn for you so it's not really like a wide open art program but it's it lets you be a little creative while helping you if you have no artistic talent like someone like myself (laughs) does not uh and you're a bullied uh, teen who escapes by creating his own living landscapes is, is kind of their tagline. Uh, again, looked really artsy-fartsy. I probably am not interested in it, but it's definitely creative, and it looks almost kind of like Psychonauts is the art style of the game. It's almost, almost claymation type. Uh, this one also caught my attention very much. This was a game called Erica. So Sony's been doing this new thing called, uh, let's see here, the Playlink initiative so playlink is this new thing sony's doing where it has games that also interact with your smartphones uh it's kind of cool actually if you've ever played the jackbox party games those are like games where you put it on the tv and then you get a code and you go on your smartphone you go to the website and you put that code in and it puts you into that game so it matches all your friends together and you technically play the game on your phone but you but you interact all together in the whole game, um, which is really, really awesome. Obviously, everyone has to be hooked up online. There's a whole bunch of little caveats to it, of course. So Sony's doing something interesting with the PS4 the same way, and they're calling it PlayLink. So they've had a few games come out already, uh, which which are kind of these fun little cute party games, which I think is perfect. They're also pricing them appropriately. They're not making them like $60 games. And this Erica one looks really cool. It almost looks like a Heavy Rain type game, and you start uh, you start making decisions like on your phone that will affect the narrative of the story. And it looked very dark and very cool. Very, very like high quality uh, visuals and everything. It looked, it looked really good. I, I, I'm all, I'm all for a really good single player story experience. And they had little interactive things like you put a key in the lock and you have to kind of spin on your screen to like turn the key. Or there's like a book that's open. You flip the pages on your phone to like flip the pages of the book. Now, I don't know how that's going to work if you actually see that stuff on your phone or if there's just like a blue area and you're just interacting by, just swiping or whatever but um so that looked pretty cool that's coming out sometime next year i'm sure and then they showed a couple of vr games and that i thought was interesting because sony's been known to very quickly jump off of something if they don't think it's popular the vita disappeared a year after it launched two years after it launched they weren't even talking about vr anymore or a 
Vita anymore. So now that it's been a full year since the VR has been out, it's still got games coming out, which is awesome. It means that it's got some legs to it. Uh, the first one they showed was like, it's called Megalith. And Megalith apparently is going to be like what they call a hero shooter. So you're thinking of a game like Overwatch, uh, you know, something like that. Overwatch or uh, Bloodborne, Battleborn, <laughs> Battleborn, Battle, Battle, some, not Bloodborne. <laughs> oh, it's still early. Uh, and so you've, you've got that sort of idea, but it's all in VR. So that could be cool, I suppose. They didn't really show anything in the trailer, so there's not really anything to be wowed at. But, I mean, I guess if you're, you're, you're apparently titans that are trying to become gods. I don't know. It was weird because I always thought gods were underneath titans. I don't, is that, I, I don't know. I just looked at my cat, Sammy, and she doesn't know either. Uh, so anyway, there was Megalith VR, and then the second one was a game called Blood and Truth. And so this looked more like your run-and-gun action VR game. And there's a lot of scenarios like you'll jump in through a ceiling and then shoot a bunch of guys. It, it honestly looked very generic to me, even though a lot of people are saying that this is like the coolest VR game they've seen in a while because it's high action. But I think you can get better VR games, like, <clears throat> and obviously not on PS4 yet, a VR version I don't think yet, but like uh, Super Hot and stuff like that is already available but this is kind of the ones for PS4. Um, so that was sort of um, the big ones that came as far as the games were coming out. My wife is such a butt. She just came in here just like, she's just dancing in front of me trying to break my concentration, but she doesn't realize that it's adorable and she's cute and I put up with it because I love her. I love you. All right. So anyway... Sorry, I just, when I see a beautiful woman like that walk in front of me, I pause. I have to pause a podcast to to talk about that. Um, and so that was really all they talked about for games. And then there were a few little announcements, and these weren't really like anything earth shattering, but there were just a couple things. So one, they showed off a new trailer for Last of Us. Uh, so Last of Us Two new trailer, and I have to be honest, the very beginning of that trailer was frustrating to watch actually kind of horrifying so watch it if you if you will i only tell you a little bit about this part because i, I want you to skip it if you do. i actually looked away i normally don't look away with something i'm not i don't have a light stomach when it comes to stuff but i looked away but it starts off where someone's like captured and they 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 string her up like they're gonna hang her but they've got a bucket underneath her so she's not hanging and then someone else comes into the picture to either help or do something and you know someone says something she spits in the lady's face that's holding her captive so then she tells the two guys holding the the one who spit on her to clip her wings and they hold her down and they bash one of her arms with a hammer like like arms like like the bicep oh my god it was it was really hard to watch and and like i said i'm not like i'm not i don't have a weak stomach for that sort of thing but it was just so like oh i cringe so hard not in like the oh my god it's awkward cringe but like that was painful and, and disturbing sort of cringe um so that's all i'll tell you about the trailer check it out it it was one of the fastest five minute trailers i've ever seen and it seems like they're trickling out these last of us trailers very similar to like how metal gear would do their trailers this one had no joel no ellie no other characters we've ever seen before and then it talked a little bit about like this main character was talking about how uh, like the demons are coming and all this other stuff. So I don't know if there's going to be like a religious fanatic group in this game. Like there's a whole bunch of things going on, um, which is awesome. So that that's right up my wheelhouse. So sign me up. But it was it was something cool. Um, uh, like I talked about Blood and Truth. And so they had some VR games that was good because they're not uh, crapping on it. Uh, there were, let's see, um, Megalith we talked about. 
Bow to Blood is another VR one. It's like a glad- gladiatorial sci-fi. Okay. Um, they got another look, uh, Star Child, just another VR. So, so the idea, though, was just that uh, there's a ton of VR content coming, which which shows, shows that it's, it's alive still because a lot of the stuff can be gimmicky, but it's alive still and that Sony's still supporting it. So good. Good on them. Uh, then they kind of went into what they call best on PlayStation, which is kind of their nice way of saying we're going to get exclusivity on things. And so I'm personally not a fan of exclusive content, even if it's timed. I just feel it kind of sucks because it's not our fault on what system we picked that because Sony wanted to get an edge up. Now, to be fair, Microsoft did it all throughout the 360 era last generation. So current generation Sony, when they were doing better, they were able to fight back a little bit against that and, and retake stuff back. But I think it's just kind of pointless. Like I like exclusive games because that studio is funding that game. I don't like when a studio pays a bunch of money to a company to try to keep them, like giving them exclusive content to a game that's available to both systems. Um, so one of the first ones was Destiny 2. The Curse of Osiris is the first expansion. And it's coming out on December 5th, which I won't get into how irritated I am that there's already an expansion for Destiny 2 that came out just a few, uh, a few short months after the game came out. But uh, they were, and this is minor, but they were allowed to show the very first footage of it. So they got the exclusive rights to show the first footage, but it releases on all the same consoles at the same time. However, the next big one was the Call of Duty World War II, the Resistance DLC. So the first DLC will be out first on PlayStation 4. So it, this whole generation has been like that, though. They did the same thing with Black Ops and other things. But, you know, so it just kind of the same sort of thing, which, again, I, I'm a Sony guy, but I don't like this. I don't like that Sony PlayStation 4 owners get to play Call of Duty World War II expansions before anybody else. I just I just don't like that. I, I think it's a bad move on the publisher's part. But, you know, it's, they're allowed to do whatever they want. Uh, and then, though, the biggest announcement to me was that uh, they talked about Monster Hunter World, which obviously we know is coming at the end of January. However, there's a four-day beta, which is exclusive to PlayStation 4, and that'll be coming out December 9th. So 9, 10, 11, 12, I believe, are the four days. And so there's going to be an online test. I'll probably end up taking those days off, I think, and just playing it nonstop because it's Monster Hunter, and I need to get those videos up because that's going to be something that I'm probably going to discuss all of you with talking about for... A long, long time. So that was kind of a recap of what uh, PlayStation had going on at the PlayStation at Paris Games event 2017. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, it was pretty much uh, you know business as usual. Uh, not a lot of huge stories this week. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'm going to tag on my, my story about uh, GameStop at the end because that was an interesting one, them adding on their, uh, their uh used game pass so definitely check out that story um and and so that'll that'll actually finish up the podcast i'm not going to have like a closeout or anything but i always want to say i so much appreciate you guys listening and and sharing and thanks for putting up with me over the last uh couple weeks as the podcast has been a little light as we've been trying to get through the wedding and everything um after the stream's over, we kind of roll into the busy season at the store but i should still be able to keep these things coming out like i want to and uh you know, the podcast, I I love doing this and this is so easy now to get up on a Tuesday morning and and do this sort of stuff. Uh, And hopefully I'll be able to keep doing that throughout the busy season. And then eventually we'll get, uh, we'll get Jen back on here too. But as always, I just appreciate you for listening and watching and sharing and, and stay tuned for the, uh, for that uh, GameStop clip. Cause it's, it's, it's a pretty good take. I'm pretty happy with that one. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. So now I wanted to get into something 
that we just I just heard about a few hours ago actually. So GameStop is releasing something called the Power Pass, which is an in-store game rental service that runs $60 for six months. So here's some details about it. So um, starting on November 19th, GameStop will um, have people start signing up for the Power Pass, which like I said was a rental service, and this allows people to take home pre-owned games as rentals. So that's the first good thing is that it's used games, not new games, as we all know that the way GameStop allows for their return policy, sometimes a new game isn't necessarily new. Uh, you pay $60 up front, and it gets you unlimited rentals for six months. So, okay. So, you know, it's something similar to like a Gamefly service. The difference being that Gamefly has to ship things to you, and so there's a lot of turnaround there. If you can go into any GameStop store. Now, the question is, I don't think I saw this answered. Are you able to go to any GameStop anytime? And swap it for another game, or do you have to take it back to the one you got it from? Um, because if you go, uh, you know, that might mess with the store's inventory and things, because I'm not quite sure how that's all going to work. And it might just be the way it shows up on a receipt. It might look like you're buying the game, and you can just return it to another store and then buy another game, quote-unquote, uh, for maybe like $0 or something. Um, <clears throat> it's only available to Power Up Rewards members. Uh, however, it does work with the free Power Up Rewards account because you don't have to pay for it. So if you don't know, there's I think there's three tiers now, but technically there's a free one. There's uh, a regular one, which is the uh, $15 a month, and that includes the year subscription to Game or $15, excuse me, for a year subscription to Game Informer. Is it $15? God, it's been so long since I worked at GameStop, I can't even remember. And yes, I think it was $15. And then uh, you have like this new like Platinum Super Pro a mega upgraded one that they've been talking about, which I don't even know if that's in service yet, but uh, I think it is. And uh, so that's like their new Uber one. Either one of those will allow you to then buy the $60 rental pass. Uh, so, and you can apparently swap out for another game whenever they want another title, and it's any used game. So if you were, if you were on top of your game, you'd be able to, no pun intended, you'd be able to, you could realistically take a game home maybe bring it back the next day. I mean, you could get 20 you could get 20 to 30 rentals in in like a month. And so if you think about, you know, how much how how many games that is over the course of 6 months, I mean, I think that I, I mean, I really think that $60 is a very fair price for something like this. So, there's some really interesting things going on here though, and and I have some opinions, which is probably why you're watching the video. So, the it, it, it's surprisingly one of the smarter moves they've come up with, I feel like, lately. Uh, I, I look at something like this, and this seems like them trying to say, look, we have a ton of used inventory that just sits on our shelves at any given time. So if we have, if we get these big chunks of money and then we're just renting games out, because they allow people to return games in full within seven days anyway. So if you bought a game, you could pay full price for it and then return it after seven days and get your full money back anyway. So this is their way of most likely trying to prevent the people that are doing that and so you have a lot of interesting angles here. One, I could argue, is that this might actually hurt GameStop's used game sales in the long term. So GameStop's whole business is based off of used games, although now you could argue because they're uh, handling so much merchandise that uh, they're trying to shift out of not having to rely just on used games. Like, you can tell that they see what's on the horizon. They know publishers are getting more and more irritated with used games. They know 
that the uh, an all digital future is very possible like they know that the used game market as the way they use it which is only carrying the newest and latest and greatest they know that that's coming to an end so they have to do something they have to they have to adapt and they have to turn and i'll i'll tell you i'll be the first one to say that company when i worked there i worked at gamestop for those you don't know i worked at gamestop for 11 years as a manager and also as training to be a district manager so i was at the level where I would see and understand all this stuff. A lot of times you talk to people who watch, who make GameStop videos, and they're like, well, I was a I was a senior game advisor for six months, and I could tell you all about this place. Like, well, you don't you don't really understand it and know it. You know, I, I, I went through lots of different versions. I actually started at Software Etc. I was there for when we rebranded into GameStop when we bought Funko Land, and then I was there when we bought EB Games and then merged everything together. Um, so, uh, all that aside, so I've seen GameStop do a ton of interesting pivots in the marketplace. One thing I will always say, not that I have a lot of love for that company anymore. I never had any hate for it though either. Um, but I don't have a lot of love for it, but I would say they've always done a good job at trying to pivot. They are forward thinking. They see the writing on the wall. They always try to change. This is like another attempt by them. Now, a lot of things they try, they throw a lot of stuff at the wall and what sticks they keep and what doesn't they don't. Um, but I remember when they implemented the power up program and now when they've got it to this level, to this state, uh, where now there's sort of a rental service, it, it makes a lot of sense to me, but I'm worried that something like this is like short term, smart, long term, stupid, because if you get everyone to buy into this service, $60 is essentially the price of one used game. So their used games are typically fifty four ninety nine, and then if you have the power rewards, though, so you're looking at the paid one to get ten percent off. Let's just say fifty bucks. Well, what if that person who would normally buy three or four used games in six months doesn't now because they can rent them instead of getting sixty dollars, or excuse me, instead of getting two hundred dollars in used game sales, they're getting sixty dollars for six months. So now you could argue, though, that because that person didn't buy those four games, they were available for somebody else to buy because this person just bought it, played it for a week, and then brought it back. So that's the way rental stores work is, yes, a rental store might pay $60 for a brand new game, but if they rent that game at $2 a piece, but they rent it 100 or 200 times before the game is you know, boring and nobody's renting it anymore, you've just made two to $400 off of a $60 game. That's how renting was popular. So it's possible to make money off of this. I'm worried that it's going to kill the variety in the GameStop stores. So one thing about my store, and if you also if you don't know this, if it's your first time listening, I also I, I own my own used video game store. I left GameStop to open up my own store, and the reason I think that we're successful now is because you see a massive variety in the product that we have. So we've been open for almost seven years now, and we have, I mean, quite literally almost everything. So we go anywhere from obviously the old Atari, ColecoVision, Commodore, and television stuff all the way up to PS4, Switch, Xbox One. But, you know, as you're buying games from people, you're slowly building this huge library. So yes, some days someone will bring in a PSP and they'll have copies of like NBA 06, Ghost Rider, and like a UMD of, you know, baby's day out or whatever <laughs> and uh and so you look at that and you're like oh my god i'm never gonna sell these but you think but but 
the reason that we have so much in sales now is because every day we're selling something uh, that that we had bought a long time before. So even something I never thought we would have sell. We sold a copy of Ghost Rider on PSP. I couldn't believe when we sold that. I, I, I looked in the computer. I think we had it sitting on the shelf for three years. And you're like, wow, that's, ugh, you know, three years has been sitting out there. But that made me money. You know what I mean? Over the, over the course of that three years. So my point is variety is what leads you to more sales because the more you have, the more options you have, the more chance that you're going to have what somebody's looking for. I mean, it's, it's that simple. And I'm worried that if people are always taking your best games and renting them out, are you going to be able to ever sell those games? But again, do you want to sell it if you can rent it a hundred times or sell it once, you know, now with the price of used games going down so quickly though, with new releases like that, it is hard to say if if you're going to make more money renting it than not. But I could see it. I mean, I, I really could. Um, the difference here, though, <clears throat> is that GameStop, uh, you're only paying $60 for six months to rent it. So if it's not like it can be rented, how many times can you? I mean, it's not the same sort of like, oh, this game got rented 100 times. It's we signed up 100,000 people for this. So, you know, we made our our cash but now what are we losing on sales? The main issue I always had with GameStop when I was there was they seem to forget about the things you can't quantify. So very quickly, I'll try to keep this because this is some number stuff, but I just want to like be honest with you about like the backdoor stuff. So think about this for a second. We'll talk about payroll for just a minute. Um, so GameStop as a company gives you a certain amount of hours per store per week that you can have employees working. You don't get to pick that as a manager based on how busy you are. The company straight up just tells you how many hours you get. And oftentimes it's not very many. So they look at it and they say, you know what? Our stock's down this week. We've got a fourth quarter. The end of the fourth quarter is coming. We want to save some money. So if we cut every store five hours of payroll, that'll make us, and this is a made up number, but that'll make us $2 million because they can figure out that if they send every, every store sends an employee home five hours early they'll save money on payroll, right? They saved five hours at every store of their 5,000 stores, whatever they have now. And so then they look at that and go, look at all this money we just saved. In one week, we just saved $2 million. Here's the problem with that. You don't know how much money you lost by not having enough people on the floor to help your customers, by not having people necessarily maybe to um, offer good service. Like maybe someone was busy with another customer and someone had a question and they didn't want to wait and they left. You can't quantify those things because they're all maybes and, and I don't knows. Uh, I can tell you from my store, uh, when I hired my last full-time employee, so I have three full-time employees, including myself. When I hired the last guy, I didn't think that we would get much extra money from that. I was like, you know, it's just going to cost us extra money, but we need stuff around the store done. You know, we were, we were falling behind me and my partner were falling behind. So, when we brought him on, I was like, well, this is just going to cost us money. It's not going to make us much money. That couldn't have been further from the truth. Having him there and having a second person every day to be able to help customers when I was busy or to do an extra trade-in when I was helping another trade-in, he, he, it, 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 I've seen our, our profits have gone up since hiring him, even though we took on his salary as cost, uh, extra um, costs. So it's this really like... It's it's non-quantifiable is my point. So you you can't put a price on that. So what GameStop looks at this and goes, man, if we sign up a million people for 60 bucks for six months, we just made $60 million. Boom, that's $60 million on the books. But then 
what 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 happens in eight months or a year when all of a sudden you look and you say, man, our used percentage of sales is down to 15% from 25%. So we're selling less used games. They can look at a percentage and see there's a downturn, but are they going to blame it on this program? Is there any way to track that it's based on this program? I don't think so. So unfortunately, they don't they can't quantify the potential loss. So they just kind of forget about it. And they said, well, all we care about is potential profit. And I think that's a failure for disaster, uh, excuse me, a uh, formula for disaster. And I certainly don't hope so. I, I'm the first one to say, as much as I'm not a big fan of the company, you never want to see a company like this go down. It hurts everything in the industry. They sell tons of new games. They do pre-orders, which help uh, developers figure out how many copies to make. They they keep gaming relevant to an extent uh, because they're, they're the only mainstream store that's dedicated to video games. Now, You've obviously seen Best Buy make a huge push. Amazon's doing a huge push. Walmart's always had it. Like, it's it's there. You know, it's not like games are going to go away if GameStop goes away. But they also have, like, 5,000 stores. Each store, roughly 5 to 10 people. So that's a lot of employees you don't want to see out of work. That hurts the economy. Like, we don't wish ill on a company, you know, that we don't want companies gone. Um, especially one that we may disagree with certain policies, but it's not like they're doing illegal things and, you know, whatever. Uh, like I said, I'm not a fan of the company. Believe me, not staying up for them, but just throwing that out there so um but with all things considered i don't necessarily think this is a bad idea but i'm curious how it's going to work uh, i do like the fact that it goes for six months so it's not a huge commitment it's 60 bucks up front and then it's up to you to use it so i could see there are people out there who will use this a lot at my store um, when I opened my store I basically took all the good things I liked about GameStop's policies and I got rid of a lot of the bad stuff one of the good things I kept was you have a 30-day defective guarantee but at my store you also have a seven-day satisfaction where if you don't like a game you can bring it back and swap it out for something else and it doesn't happen often but every now and then there'll be somebody who on the seventh day always comes back and is like oh I just didn't like it can I return it towards something else and and he'll do it three or four times and then I actually have to say hey you know I'm sorry to say this but like you know, you got to just make sure the next one you pick's a good one because, you know, we're not going to return it again because we let you swap out four different times and, you know, we're not a free rental store and stuff like that. And people are understanding about that when you let them know what's happening. But it's there are people out there who do that. So a service like this for them is perfect. But like I was saying earlier, GameStop technically allows you to do this already for free. So it's interesting take because if you wanted to, you could buy a, game, a used game and then play it for five days, take it back, return it for full towards another game. Now, again, you're going to run into issues probably after the fourth or fifth time, right? But if you go to different stores, they're not going to know that you returned multiples over and over again. They'll see on the receipt that you returned one game for another, but they're not going to know that, you know, you did it how many times. Uh, and there are a lot of GameStops around. Not saying that you should, like, manipulate their system, but it's their return policy. I mean, it allows you to do it. So it's very curious. And there are people out there because there are things like Redbox. Redbox is like three bucks a night. Uh, and I, th I always thought Redbox was kind of a bad deal. Plus, then you have the option uh, or you have the possibility of people putting like the wrong games back in it and stuff like that. Um, so, I don't, you know, there's there's a lot of potential weird loss there. Um, now, some some good points were made about this as well from other people besides me as I'm you know reading the comments and going through some people brought up some good points. Um, one person you know brought up that game rentals are really bad for the industry because they take away revenue from the developers, and I think that's like I think the only thing game developers hate more than used game sales is used game rentals, <laughs> because uh, I, I think that there has more potential for it to stay in the market longer as a rental than it does as a purchase. 
uh, at least a purchases, you know, can sit on a shelf and they feel like they made their money as to our rentals, it might actively prevent someone from buying that game. Um, and then so with now, now though, at GameStop, you have two ways to try to ding the developer. You can sell the used game that they don't get any money for, which, to be honest, I don't agree that they should get money off of used revenue. That's a whole other thing for another day. Um, but and not just because I own my own used game store. But uh, so GameStop has two ways to ding the developers. They can uh, sign people up to rent their used games or they can just outright sell their used games at least a rental store like family video which is all i can really think of as the biggest one that would make any sort of dent in anything family video they buy all those new copies of all those games so the developers can't get too upset when instantly day one they get a hundred thousand dollars a hundred thousand copies sold by a rental company i'm sorry i just don't because a lot of the people that buy used games or that will rent a used game, they weren't necessarily going to go buy that game. They most likely weren't. Even if they didn't have the option to rent it or to buy it used, they probably weren't going to buy it new. They were going to wait for a price drop anyway. So there, there is things out there. Plus, we can make the argument that now in, in today's day and age with you know, Let's Plays and, and so many streamers and stuff out there that when you have all that stuff, that's pulling people away from buying games too because they can just watch it instead of having to play it. Um, so, uh, there were a couple other things too. Um, obviously like licensing, you know, I guess GameStop doesn't have to license the right to rent these games because they're renting out used ones that they bought and that they legally own. But you'd think that they would have to do some sort of kickback and and we don't know. Maybe there is, maybe they, maybe they are kicking back a certain percent. If I had to guess, highly doubt it, but it certainly is possible. There's a lot of stuff that could be going on, um, behind the books. Um, now one little thing you can read in the fine print is that if you, if the disc comes back damaged or unplayable, you are charged for the game, um, which obviously is a no brainer. I mean, if you break it, you buy it. Uh, I'm worried about a rental service. I'm worried a couple things about that. One, what if you get it home and it doesn't work because I hate to say this because I, I partook in it a little bit when I was there, but when you're there, like they don't have disc servicing machines at GameStop. They have a refurbishing center in Texas. So everything that they take in on trade, they look at it. The person who buys the game looks at it and he says, do I think this game needs to be fixed or not? And then if he decides that he thinks the scratches are acceptable, that the game will work, they put that game in the drawer and then they can sell it as opposed to, and then if they look at it and say, oh, it's too scratched, let's send it away to corporate to get resurfaced. Then they pack up a box of defectives. They send it to um, Texas and then they run it through a massive um, refurbishing process, and then they ship out the games to the stores that need the quant uh, that need them. So um, my store, I have two resurfacers in the store because I don't let anything out the door that doesn't look perfect. Because once you know it looks perfect, if it comes back and it's trashed, I know it didn't leave the store that way. And we have some, you know, we have some pull that way because we can let them know, like, hey, I'm sorry, but like this disc didn't leave this way because we clean them all before it goes, and this is really scratched up. Now again. To be honest, good customer service, you're never going to accuse your customers of that anyway. So I just pretty much say, oh, okay, and since I can fix the disc for about 50 cents of my own money, I'm just going to take it back because 50 cents is worth keeping a customer happy. Because most likely they're not trying to rip us off. They just screwed up and, and broke the game, and then they don't want to be out their money, and they don't want to, you know, they, they blame it on us anyway, so you don't want that to happen. So let's just take care of them. 50 cents. I'm not going to lose a customer over 50 cents. That's crazy talk. So obviously, though, there's that issue where you could get a game home and it doesn't work 
and then you bring it back, how are you supposed to prove to them that like that you didn't do it? You know, because they're going to say that the other uh, on the other flip side of that. How do you know that someone doesn't use their rental service to rent a game, go home, take their defective game, pop it in the case, bring it back and say, oh, this one didn't work. I need to swap it out for a different copy of the same game or a different game. And then they replaced their defective one with a working one. So there's a couple things like there, there's a lot of there's a door open for fraudulent activity, which isn't GameStop's fault. I mean, you, you can only police so much. You expect people to have some common decency and you always have to anticipate getting ripped off at least a little. Um, I've got great customers. My all, all my customers are great and they're they're awesome. But I've still had stuff stolen off the shelf and I still get ripped off and I still get people like they'll buy something and, and they'll return it and they'll say, oh, it didn't work. And I look at it and I'm like, oh, OK, did you want to swap it for the same game? We have another one. No, I just want my money back okay, well, so you don't, you know what I mean? So like there, there's always like people who just like either they change their mind or whatever. And they're not always, you know, they're uncomfortable like being honest about it. And that's fine. It's whatever. It's, it's part of doing business. But there's a little bit of that like sitting there, you know, collecting dust. Um, so lastly, I would say that this is another one of GameStop's pivots and they have made good pivots in the past. Um, obviously, you've seen how much merchandise they carry. They purchased ThinkGeek. Uh, you also, um, they they pivoted when they, um, like, got into game publishing. They bought Congregate, which was, like, an online games portal. Like, they look at trends in the industry, and they try to get ahead of them. They really do. And as a company, working there, I always felt like they were trying to take care of themselves so that I would always have a job. I never thought I wouldn't have a job there, which is a nice. Like, having job security is... It's really nice uh, not having to worry about, like, is the company taking care of itself so that they can, you know, have a job for me. And they always did a good job of that. So this is, they put a lot of thought and they put a lot of market research into stuff like this. This most likely was tested in certain regions, um, which I couldn't find any info about. Um, I was hoping to, you know, see if there was anybody out there um, that had, uh, you know, had any experience with it. And it seems like not, but I know they tested it somewhere. They might have only tested it in a couple of stores in Texas or in California. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I, I think it could work. I don't know if it'll be positive and work for them, but it's not a bad service for, for customers, I have to say. I really think it's all right. Uh, I think it'll be one of those things that, uh, I don't know. I, I I mean, with the way people pay for loot boxes and people are really big into the monthly subscription stuff now, it, it just kind of seems like the right time for it. Um, so we'll have to see. Um, the other part, though, too, is if your only GameStop in your town is a small one, uh, you know, what if you buy the $60 Game Pass and there's just, nothing to ever rent that's good you know like you go there and you're like oh there's nothing i want here but again it's a way for gamestop to get some money off of all those games that just sit there collecting dust 